When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Robot Building Supplies, helping you get the right products for the job at a better price. Happy New Year from Neil Phillips and his team at Berwick BMW. Your new BMW awaits. The run home. It most certainly is. Good afternoon to you. Three minutes past, in fact, it's four minutes past three. Josh Jenkins and Bryce McGain uh, running you home, driving you home this beautiful Tuesday afternoon. A little chilly this morning, but... uh, Beautiful now, almost 21 degrees. As I say, good afternoon to uh, Bryce McGain again. JJ, great to be catching up with you. And uh, I think our, our partnership is just ticking along. little flat spot at? at the end of yesterday. Um, and, for what? 30? Oh, yeah, <laughs> we're just nudging them around a bit. I'll keep dropping singles Not and many hand boundaries. it over to you to launch a couple of big ones today. What no, do you reckon? Well, two for two, two, two. Oh, not sure we're on that many, Rod. But uh, anyway, <laughs> I appreciate the uh, the vote of confidence uh, big show, as always. We've got Adam Peacock from Code Sports who's going to join us to discuss uh, what's just gone down Big and news. transpired with the Melbourne Victory sanctions. And we'll go through those uh, shortly. So Adam uh, has had his ear to the ground and was most likely probably at the press conference. So we'll speak to him uh, after 3.30 and discuss all of that. And we're keen to know what you think, uh, about the sanctions and what's going on. It's been a big time in the A-League, of course, Bryce, with uh, what we saw between Melbourne Victory and, and Melbourne City. So uh, plenty to go through there. So Adam Peacock will have the latest for us and his view on what's transpired. And Nathan Chapman will join us after four. Nathan Nathan played uh, Chappie, played some AFL footy for the Brisbane Bears and was at the Hawks. But uh, in the... Uh, previous decade or so, he's been the uh, creator and director of Pro Kick Australia, a program which has uh, put a heap, and I mean a heap of uh, young men, into the college football program. And of course, today we've seen the college football championship game taken out by Georgia. A little one-sided. Yeah, about a 58-point margin. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, And both punters in that game were Australians, yep. as we spoke about yesterday. Uh, so we'll speak to Chappie about what that what Pro Kick Australia does, the NFL players that he's been able to help nurture and grow, and and now the pathway. And we've seen countless uh, big time coaches over in America refer back to his program and what Pro Kick Australia does, and the opportunities it gives young men, both on a sporting field, but also allowing them. And, and Chappie will explain this better than I do, but full rides in terms of. Great educations at yeah. these big-time schools, which cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. So Chappie will speak to us about that after 4 o'clock as well. So, um, it doesn't seem that long ago that uh, Darren Bennett just yes. went over there. Well, he and, was the pioneer, wasn't he? Yeah, he Darren was. Yeah. And and then, obviously, on the back end of AFL careers, some guys going over and um, – you know they're they're all well uh, yep. established and, yep. and publicised, but now it's it's from the grassroots coming all in. It's a whole place. different thing. So great initiative by Nathan Chapman to see that opportunity and love the game, and then go. We've got a ton of these guys. We we can give them opportunity around the world. I yep. think it's awesome. Looking forward to speaking to Nathan Chapman after four o'clock. Uh, make sure you get in touch 
with us as always. The 40 Winks Temper Text, that's uh, been absolutely fired up all day. We've had heaps coming through before our show, so make sure you keep them coming through. Get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 Winks, serious about sleep and temper. Consumer's choice winner, temper mattresses, pillows, and adjustable bases conforms to the exact, and I mean exact, Bryce, shape of your body. So make sure you get involved there. Uh, 0433981116. We're here for robot. Uh, we're here for Berwick BMW. Excuse me. Start your new year in a new BMW. Wouldn't have loved to do that. And Blundstone Rotoflex by Blundstone Stability meets the freedom to move. Uh, Bryce, I want to uh, start off. We always try and start fairly, you know, lightly. Uh, uh, we don't get too serious too soon. Plenty of time for that. Who are the most? I'm interested. Who are the most clickable or clickbaity? athletes going around at the moment. So when you see their name, I'm thinking straight away. So I'm thinking Nick Kyrgios. Definitely. Clickable. What about yep. a young who's, who's, or some, who's coming with a rush, a young footballer from the Pies, wears long sleeves, was accused of... Um, Ginevan. <laughs> Ginevan. Ginevaning turned into a thing last year. Um, who else? David Warner's pretty clickable at the moment. With, uh, if you were to see a headline, Warner slaps back at critics, that'd get clicked on a fair bit. What about Warner? This is extraordinary. I I did this last night. Warner wins player of series. Yes. That controversially wins player of series. And then I just scrolled through. So I used it like a, I just sort of rolled the screen up and just went, and wherever it stopped, I went, is it positive or negative? Negative. (laughs) Negative. Negative. And this is over 2,500. This is just a, a straw poll that I took last night mm-hmm. sitting on the couch while I'm, I'm watching him on his first night of commentary as well. So I wonder what today's feedback would mm-hmm. be from the Big Bash. He, he's now with Fox Cricket. Yep. And when he's available, he'll do that. So he's most definitely clickable. Mm. His wife is. is most definitely clickable. Yes, both for of them. the controversy around. I'm talking... Uh... The most clickable person in the world at the moment would be uh, Meghan Markle, would it not? Is it Meghan or Meghan? MM. Mrs. Markle. She'd be the most clickable in the world at the moment, would she not, with, with everything Harry. that's going on with, uh, with that crew? But athletes who are, who are clickable, you see their name and you just, you know you shouldn't. Ronaldo. You know you get sucked into it, but you just click on it and you just have to read it. Even if it's... See, Judd. Utter nonsense. Could be. Aaron Rodgers is up there at the moment. The old will he, won't he retire, that carousel. That's just started to go round and round and round. If you're interested to know about his background and what he gets up to, <laughs> just Google a podcast and go with it because he's obscure. He is uh, – oh, he's not obscure. He's just different. And different. For, for me, it was fascinating Difference to not. hear what he likes to do and just disappear for a few days mm. and – Goes on retreats and all these different types of things. He does. Which is fine. Which is that it's probably great. He probably loves it. In fact, I'm sure he does love it. Otherwise probably he, more than NFL. He wouldn't go. So let us know. Yes. Do you reckon he's gonna play is that do you reckon that's his last game for the Packers? He ain't leaving fifty nine million bucks on the table. So he'll be playing somewhere next year. Because yep. he's owed fifty nine million dollars. Yeah. Uh straight away off the forty wings temper text from Luke on the road. Uh, number one on clickbait list for the past 15 years has to be LeBron James. Draws as much hate as anyone. He's That's amazing, isn't I'm gonna it? I'm going to say he's suffered because um, there's been a lot of good stuff and he's probably made a lot of money through social me- media. But he's he's suffered 
in the social media age, whereas the person that everyone compares him to, Michael Jordan, never had to deal with that, did he? There was no. more mystique about Michael because we didn't know what he was up to. But LeBron's, he's certainly right up there, LeBron. Absolutely. On a global stage. Yeah. But we've R- got Ronaldo's some... one of those in terms of soccer. Yes. It, it, some of them, the, the, the updates are just, oh, this is how his body's changed in 15 years. Like, mm. you see that bob up, and I, I pass that. But, you know, he's in good nick for his age. Very. Incredible nick. And, and generally, we probably, it, it shouldn't be this way, but it just is. We, we uh, generally, we uh, associate the, the clickbait stuff with a negative connotation, don't we? Typically. It's got a bit of a negative slant to it. Yeah, it, and I think that's how people are wired a bit. They're looking for the negative. They're looking for the outrage. They're looking for the, the shock. That's what gets you in. That's right, and uh, we've, <laughs> even though it's not written down, we've been able to uh, get Sean on the hook with some clickable stuff. Won't read out the text, but I'll appreciate it all the same. <laughs> um, make sure you give us a buzz as well. Let us know who you think is the most clickable Australian athlete at the moment. I think Sa- Sam in Hobart's presented Ben Cousins. Yes, yep. There's a bit of a bit of a blast from the past, but certainly um, even a bit before the social media era as well, when Ben was doing his. Absolute uh, best, but uh, let us know. one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 is our talkback number for King Island Tourism, Play King Island's Pure Links golf courses. Um, as I said, we're going to get stuck right into the sanctions that were handed out uh, to the Melbourne victory. I'm interested in your views uh, in terms of how it affects and impacts everyone. And I'm sort of thinking more along the lines of families and kids and those who who might not be able to go as well. You know, one of the sanctions is is not being able to go to the games on the road. So interstate games, um, Melbourne Victory fans can't attend. So if you're, well, a, I think they can't sit in reserved pockets of right. seating. Yeah, I think at, it, at the home games. Now yeah. I've got the um, I've got the sanctions here, and forgive me a little bit because I am uh, reading. Them out. So a financial sanction of $450,000, which is split in various different ways. Um, Melbourne Victory must not sell any match day tickets in the areas ordinarily designated within their home venue at Amy Park, um, including the areas known as the North End Active Fans or South End. So no fans behind the goals at either end, um, which probably eliminates what we saw. Yeah. The other day, uh, the first three rows of the first three rows of seats behind the goal at both ends, or equivalent, if a home game is not played at Amy Park. In addition, rows A to J of Bay Thirty Eight at the northern end, or equivalent, uh, if a home game is not played, will remain empty. Any tickets already sold in these areas will be cancelled. No allocated club supporter seating at away games. So there's no. Uh, as you said, pockets of Melbourne Victory fans, which is typically where I guess some of the issues can come from. Um, so there's a there's a whole heap of sanctions there. Uh, the only thing that I was concerned about, and Ken, on your views before we go to the break, is the impact on 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 those the innocent, those who have done nothing wrong and have to suffer. It, it probably looks like they've done a pretty good job of avoiding that and still allowing those people to go to the games. Yeah, I think so. Mm. Yeah. I'd- how they're going to police the bands and things like that has got me scratching my head. So maybe Adam Peacock can help us out with that. Mm. How they're going to go about it. It is hard. Well, that's what 
was thrown at us. I don't know if it was you and I. I think it might have been you and I. Someone said, came, uh, rang up and said, just don't allow the troublemakers into the games. But I think you might have been the one that said, well, what's to stop me buying you a ticket and you just going to the game? It's pretty yeah. hard. To, and then you've got to, then pretty hard to police. People are suggesting ID and this and that. And then, you know, we're delving into other areas there of confidentiality and whatnot. Because 99.999% of people are doing the right thing. Mm. There's just this small segment that are doing it incorrectly. So we don't need to all suffer through the rigmarole and, and the bureaucracy of uh, just trying to get a ticket and get into the game. Indeed. Uh, before we skirt off to a break, we speak to Brett and Snorbins. He, li- he doesn't like it if you say St. Albans. You've got to say Snorbins, who wants to uh, throw up a clickable athlete. Brett, uh, first time we've spoken in uh, the new year, so happy new year. And who have you got for us when it comes to clickable athletes? Yeah, you too, Shags. Bryce, uh, if you want controversy, look no further than Andrew Bogut. But if you want controversy, glitz and glamour, Corey Homicide Williams is your man. <laughs> Homicide, he's building. I had a look at his 177,000 Instagram followers, which is, you know, the, the only metric to success <laughs> these days. Um, Andrew Bogut's really evolved in that space, hasn't he, with his uh, views toward the the the, uh, the Victorian government and the uh, the <laughs> the Premier and all those different types of things. He lo- he certainly likes to speak his uh, speak his mind. So uh, good call, Brett. There's a couple of. Uh, Basketballers who are certainly clickable. Uh, let us know. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. This is a Tradies Hour for Ace Gutters. Australian made, built to last. We're going to get the first uh, quick break out of the way and then continue to break down. Uh, plenty happening on a big day of sport here in Oz and around the world on a Tuesday. Arvo. JL was given feedback from the senior players in our group around certain things that they sort of wanted him to improve on, I guess, as a coach. People express passion in different ways. And for Justin, his was riding every ball. I've always said that you can never criticise anyone who's extremely passionate in what they do, and that's exactly what JL is. Did I struggle with some of the ups and downs? Yeah. So probably the biggest feedback from myself is just emotional levels from, from JL. Some people felt like, you know, walking on eggshells. There's plenty of guys who don't speak up, who don't talk, and were afraid of jail. They were, that's the truth. It sort of um, was at the point where jail realised he had to pull back massively, and he did that. He listened, like he did everything that was asked him as a playing group. The players wanted to create their own environment, and, yeah, it's us taking responsibility. You know, a common theme was own your space. Sounds juicy. Sounds juicy. That's a little uh, audio snippet from the test. There's some clickbait. Series two. That'll get you in to watch. That, I'll tell you what, that was getting clicked on. The uh, JL versus the players debacle over the summer. But that was, of course, from the premiere of the test, series two, which is airing on Amazon Prime on uh, Friday. So that sounds pretty good to me. It is. I'll be it, tuning in. It's probably a little extension of the first round of it, again, around Justin and walking on eggshells well, and that sort of thing. I thought that was the things. highlight of the first. Yeah, again, I'll, I'll say it again. I'm a casual cricket fan, and I watched it. I didn't think I'd be very interested. It took me a long time to watch it. Yeah. And then when I watched I was like, this is this is quite incredible to see uh, JL's interactions with the team and them pushing back against him. Well, it was really one player that stood up 
and he, his voice was in that little clip there, Usman Khawaja, yes. who actually went, no, no, no. He was brilliant, wasn't he? Uh, you know, I, I have respect for you, but we, you can't be, mm. you know, we can't be just working around you and your moods and your volatility uh, is, is what the feedback was. But then you hear Mitch Marsh in there saying he was asked to do that, and he did. Mm. And he did, and they had incredible success. World Cup winning, Ashes winning, so it's going to be a great insight. This is what I like because – I don't think all the, the, the public actually understand that these guys are they're good guys. Mm. You know, it's mm. a high pressure environment. You, there's human. nowhere to hide. There is nowhere to hide playing cricket for Australia. Nowhere. And your results and everything you're analysed and everything you do, uh, and, and that's fine. That's that's what you sign up for. I get that. But uh, they're all good blokes outside of that. Mm. They're, they're good guys. They're yep. rippers. They're humans. We do forget that when we're uh, watching them do their thing on on the tube. Uh, Johnny is in Richmond and has given us a call on the King Islands Pure Links Golf Courses talkback line. He wants to talk about potential ways to limit uh, which fans get in and don't get into sporting venues. John, good afternoon. Uh, hi, guys. Yeah, hey. uh, I was listening to a, a podcast there a few days ago about what's happening with the New York Knicks and the New York Knicks owner who is using facial recognition on um, potential fans who go to the game and who have been like disagreeing with him on social media, and then he's actually kicking them out of the stadium because he's not happy with what they have to say about how he's running the team. Uh, is there a way they could probably use something like that at the A League or potentially AFL? Um, maybe not as evasive as that, but as a way of kicking out troublemakers. Mm. Uh, I like it, John. Thanks for the call. Potentially yes, expensive. Definitely. Expensive. I don't think I they have imagine. the capability to do it. Um, this is along the same lines. This is off the 40 Winks temper text uh, from Mark. Hey, boys, my mate in England uh, is banned for a season of EPL for being an idiot, which is generally why you get banned. Uh, what they do is every time Liverpool is playing, he has to report to a police station at the same time the game is starting. And... And once he has left the police station, they will contact him from time to time during the game to make sure he's not at the game. That's that's efficient. That can work. I wouldn't take up, you know, because we're not talking about thousands and thousands of people being banned from the games, are we? But I that can work. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, not that's part of the sanction. Yep. Well, so, I think that can definitely work. I like that, Mark. Thanks for the text. A few um, back on their, their clickbait uh, athletes, a former athlete, one of our very own, he's pretty Clickable. Kane Corns. <laughs> Every King day. Corn. King Corn. He's a, uh, well, the, the, the boys upstairs, I mean, the boys that I call Click Boys, one of them's on leave, Hugh, uh, Click Boy himself. They love Kane because he, whatever he says, gets clicks. People love to click on it and read it and disagree with it and agree with it and all those different types of things. So Kane Corns uh, is on there. He'd be right at the top. He'd be right at the top, would he not? Yeah, I think. Uh... Yeah, absolutely. Dusty without, Martin, without doubt. Well, people are interested in him, aren't they? Well, because he is elusive, and mm. you don't get much. You know, he can it's mystique. Yeah, he can just do little things, uh, and everyone's interested. What about the King of Spin, the late great Shane Warne? He's 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 right up there. Absolutely, he's right up there, off the chart. Mm. He was off the chart. For, for for off uh, field, off the pitch. Uh, his ventures and and uh, and life away from the cricket field as much as anything, or more than anything. Well, yeah, and sometimes beyond 
what it should be, you know, even just at times just dropping kids off and things yeah. like that back in the day, you know, it was just a bit ridiculous, yep. but uh, he he lived a life. Wow. Yes. Uh, the shark, Greg Norman, he's pretty newsworthy at the moment, isn't he? With his... He puts up his own clickbait stuff, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah, well, he's he's uh, vengeful attitude toward the PGA. It's not, not, not necessarily making him uh, super popular at the moment, so... There's a few, Shane Warne, Greg Norman, Dusty Martin in the AFL, our very own Kane Corns. Uh, plenty of people live in that space. Some don't want to. Others uh, others uh, probably like it. Patrick Dangerfield's one who's clickable in his various different roles. You either love him or loathe him. It's generally how it goes when you're a, when you're a star, isn't it? Well, it, it also comes down to who you support as well. You know, that, that can tend to shade people's view of, of what, what it's uh... – you know, if it if it is clickable, or whether people are interested, or whether they support, or or a bit more negative on it. Um, let's go to the news because after the news, Luke's going to hang on for us in Croydon. I hope he wants to speak about the Melbourne victory sanctions. So, Luke, let us get the news out of the road, and we'll be back on the other side uh, with your call. Oh, we're not going to the news. Okay. Oh no. We're, uh, I, our man who likes to call himself Sizzle is. Just lacking a little Fizzle. bit of sizzle. Let's have another go at going. Let's have another go at getting to the news, and then Luke on the other side. Around and say goodbye. All you know is when I'm with you, I make you free and swim through your veins like a fish in the sea. I'm singing, follow me. Everything is all right. I'll be the one to tuck you in the at night. The Sizzler's back. Leave, the Sizzler is back. Have a listen to him. He's pretty happy with his own work, too. He's turned it up on me. Jesus, creepers. Quick La Liga update, if you don't mind. A quick La Liga update. Barcelona won Atletico Madrid nil. Uh, that was uh, That keeps Barca a top of the La Liga by three points from Real Madrid after 16 games played. Plenty of drama and two red cards in that game as well. Atletico, they're battling away in fifth. La Liga only on Optus Sport. So if you want to catch the uh, La Liga, you need to get Optus Sport. Don't miss a second of La Liga action only on Optus Sport. Let's go to Luke, as promised. Luke's in Croydon and he... Uh, he wants to talk about the Melbourne victory sanctions. Uh, Luke, good afternoon. Firstly, I don't condone what happened. Right, yes. But secondly, these sanctions just prove how eccentric the uh, football Australia is. Mm -hmm. Uh, And also uh, the fact that no, no sanctions against... Firstly, that umpire should be banned from that referee should be banned from refereeing because he was being obviously blatantly uh, biased. In... Uh, and secondly, if you if you're gonna let referees not get sanctioned for their part in it, mm-hmm. then then there's a fairness. Well, can you elaborate a little bit on what what what? Element from the referee's point of view, were you unhappy with? Figured the uh, the, the pitch invasion. Mm-hmm. 
about 10, 15 minutes before, there was a blatant handball that was not, that was reviewed and thrown out, which shouldn't have been. Right. Um, in the, in, at the uh, victory end. Yes. Against Melbourne City. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's what triggered it because I, no way I condone it. I, I see that I see it, and I'm not a big fan of as well video technology being used. Yeah, well, no, neither. Uh, I mean, we 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 like it where appropriate. We spoke about it yesterday that the technology can sometimes be more problematic than uh, problem solving. But anyway, Luke, thanks for your call. Don't necessarily, don't totally agree with it. With with well, that's the not what triggered that, it. No, definitely not. Uh, some uh, some uh, silly silly people triggered it, but uh, let's get a quick break out of the road because uh, Adam Peacock from Code Sports is going to join us to break it all down a little bit more. He's uh, been listening into the press conference. He's the expert. Exactly right. Exactly right, Bryce. We're just here to uh, talk and ask the questions. He can deliver us the uh, absolute details of what's happened, whether it's fair, whether he likes it, whether. And, and basically what's going to happen moving forward. So a uh, quick break, and Adam Peacock from Code Sports will join us on the other side. Football Australia has found that Melbourne victory has brought the game into disrepute following the unacceptable actions of the club's active supporters. We're also uh, very aware that this is not the first time that we have had an issue with Melbourne victory. In 2016, we had uh, an invasion of the pitch in 2000. 22, we had the Cavallo incident. In 2022, we also had the 2021 Australia Cup because it was played in 2022 issue where fans also damaged LED and entered the pitch when they were um, um, celebrating a goal. Um, so this is really uh, an aggravation of those issues. That was uh, Football Australia CEO James Johnson, uh, who was breaking down the sanctions for Melbourne victory. So the basics of the sanctions, and we'll speak to Adam Peacock in a moment, who's he's ready to rock and roll. Um, so no uh, north or south end terraces for the rest of the season. Uh, no designated victory supporter areas at away games. No points deduction, a suspended 10-point deduction until the end of the 2025-26 season. Game uh, The game between victory and city to be replayed in April. And the Melbourne victory were also handed $450,000 in fines, which will go to City, uh, the FA, uh, and toward the replayed match. So uh, plenty happening there. Adam Peacock's a man who does plenty of good work for us uh, via SEN Sydney. And uh, he knows more about this stuff and uh, where it lands than us. And he's here to break it all down for us. Good afternoon, Adam. Hey, guys. How are you? We are well. Uh, where did you land with uh, what I've just read out and what the sanctions are? Are you um, are they fair and reasonable? Is this what you thought may happen, or is it a bit of a surprise one way or the other? Yeah, I reckon they could have gone a tad stronger and maybe given an immediate points deduction. But the, I mean, they're pretty significant sanctions. It's the biggest ever fine in Australian football history. They've got the spectre of, of a ten point fine, which. If it happens any time in the next three and a half seasons, well, that pretty much rules them out of of being as successful as they want to. It's it's like three plus games um, straight up of, of hard work down the toilet. At the moment, um, any idiot decides to jump the fence. So, yeah, so it's, it's 
they're harsh, but I reckon my personal feeling was the immediate deterrent should have been a, a points deduction, but they've gone this way, and they're the regulatory body, so it's, it's, they're not far off in, in what I thought they would do, um, but still, it's, it's pretty heavy stuff for the club. It certainly is, particularly from a financial uh, point of view, because you know the A-League's not, not flush for cash, and the teams are you know doing their best. Some teams are doing better than others, but from a financial point of view, what type of repercussions might this have on Melbourne Victory moving forward? Will it be, you know, less coaches or players, or how do you think it might impact them? Because almost half a million dollars—that's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's um, well, four hundred and fifty of it is is straight up hard cash, straight up, and then there's a, another suspended hundred thousand dollar fine hanging over them as well. Um, not in my eyes, not as harsh as the ten points, obviously, but I, I think it's. It's not just the, the immediate cash, it's the reputational damage that you do and the conversations that you have with sponsors and potential sponsors going forward. Now, Melbourne Victory have got a lot of good people, a lot of smart people involved with their football club um, from from the chair down. Now, the, the chair we haven't heard from too much. It's um, the CEO that um, has done a lot of the talking. And, look, they'll have to find a way to navigate through it. Are they the club that could possibly do it, with the exception of Melbourne City, who are owned by um, the Abu Dhabi-based um, City Football Group? Victory are the, probably the ones in the league that could withstand it, but still it's a mortal blow for the, for their bottom line, and they've struggled through COVID. They're only just coming out of that. They've repaired their relationship with their fans, but then 150 idiots um, undo it all in, in one moment of madness. Very good afternoon to you, Adam. Do you think this strikes the balance of punishing those that were culpable but then not impacting those who are innocent, like the team, the players, the general fans, the ones, the families that do go along? Have they struck the balance all right? I I think so. With the actual fans, the day-to-day fans, they experience, look, now they go to the rest of the season. They're five points out of the uh, six at the moment. They go the rest of the season. If they cop the 10 now, they're, they're gone for the final series. They can't make up 15 games in mm. one half of fo- one half of the season of football. So does it impact their, their fan day experience? No. But the, the areas that are closed, it's, it's rows A to J of Bay 38 of the north end. And the areas behind directly behind the goals at the south and north end, it's only three rows are tarped off. So it's not the entire thing totally tapped off. It, it'll just be that section, basically, of where those fans came from who jumped the fence. Um, the rest, the north end and, and the like, it's going to look a bit different. It's going to feel a bit different. The rest of the stands with the other um, victory season ticket holders, they'll be fine to, to get in and enjoy their experience. And that's what James Johnson said. He, he said he didn't want to ruin the, the, the experience for the, the vast, vast majority, his words, not mine, of good people who go to victory games and support their team for the right reasons. So, yeah, it, it'll feel like a big hit. Um, I reckon a lot of victory fans feel a bit empty about still about what happened on December 17 and also that the thing that set the wheels in motion for this, which was the, the decision, which was why the, the fans were protesting in the first place. Regardless, they went totally overboard. It's not excusing that behaviour on December 17 at the game, but the, the grand final decision to take it away to Sydney, like a lot of Victory fans feel empty about that. They'll never, even if Victory are good enough to host a grand final, they won't get to host a grand final. So there's a bit of work to be doing there. But yeah, it doesn't punish them in real terms right now, that decision today. Uh, there's a there's a really uh, good text, and I'll use that as a premise for my next question, Adam. How how can what what are there identifiable things that the club should have and could have and should do in the future that they didn't do to stop 
the individuals storming the field? Like, was there was there much more that a club? And when you say a club, that's a thing. I'm talking about you know, people involved around the club. Is there more that they should have and could have done to prevent these guys and maybe girls from going on the field, or is it purely the fact that you barrack for Melbourne victory and will punish the club and hopefully by extension punish you guys and, and not allow this or prevent this from happening moving forward? Yeah, it's it's a really complex one because, like in an ideal world, these these people are just weeded out through natural mm. process within the fan groups. Like fans go, stop doing that. Stop throwing flares. Mm. Stop doing that. But it doesn't seem to be that that notion of self regulation amongst um, sections, and it's small sections of the crowd. Now, we we don't want to go to sporting events and have snitches, and you know have self-reporting lines that if you see any behaviour like and, and, and how do you define one person what one per- yeah. person finds really offensive the next person doesn't find as offensive type thing so it's, it's a really hard thing to self-regulate but I, I think the line pretty much the line is is pretty apparent if you throw or go onto the pitch well you've crossed the line if you throw a flare in amongst fans you've crossed the line so I, I can't see why you can't regulate against that if you're part of a fan group so say if you're going to rip a flare, which we all loved, by the way, at Federation Square, mm. let's not forget the World mm. Cup. Like we thought, wow, how good does that look? But all of a sudden, because it's done in an A-League game, it's the worst thing in the world. Well, no, if you're going to rip a flare, don't throw it. Yeah, it's bloody dangerous. It's that simple. And and a lot of people listening will go, why do you need to take a flare to the game? Well, I don't know. That's part some part of playing culture. I've never got it, but. Anyway, it's it's a complex matter, and I don't know how they self-regulate, but they've got to find a way to, to start doing it because, yeah, it's, it's bringing the whole thing down. Does this put all the other clubs on notice as well, just around fan behaviour? Oh, yeah, I think they get it, though. The, the vast majority of fans around the league. Melbourne Victory have got the noisiest support, absolutely. Like Western Sydney Wanderers did have it back in the day, mm. but they've kind of their, their numbers have dwindled as successes avoided the what's going on on the pitch with their team that they might be coming back this year as that they, they improve, but this grand final decision they're against as well, but victory are the loudest and proudest. So I think they're a bit of an outlier in that regard. And yeah, the, the city fans shouldn't get off scot-free anyway, that the handful of idiots in the city group um, at that end who, who started throwing flares onto the pitch as well during that game, they shouldn't get off scot-free, but um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's, Victory the one with the biggest problem, obviously, at the moment, and they've they've got to find a way to fix it. They most certainly do. Uh, Adam Peacock, thanks for your time. We can uh, uh, hear from you on SEN up in Sydney and Code Sports as well. We appreciate you giving us a little bit more insight into uh, these um, uh, sanctions and, and, and how Melbourne Victory go about things moving forward. Thanks for your time. All good. Have a good day, guys. There we go. There's Adam Peacock. And and don't forget, uh, tonight on Sports Day after 6 p.m., Melbourne Victory's Managing Director, Caroline Carnegie, will be on Sports Day. So that'll be uh, something that you should not miss and must not miss. So there you have it. Um, Sanctions all around, very much financially financial heavy with almost half a million dollars in, in cold hard cash. And that's... Uh, not cash that A-League clubs have just got lying around. So it uh, been a big day, another sad day, but we always had to get to this point 
with the sanctions for Melbourne victory. Let's get a break out of the way. We've got a couple of uh, callers there as well. We'll get to Aaron and Roy on the other side. Uh, we'll speak to Nathan Chapman after four o'clock, which we are fast approaching. But uh, let's get a couple of callers. Uh, Aaron's in Broadmeadows, wants to quickly talk about the sanctions for the victory. Yeah, I think they're the most over-the-top uh, penalty I've, I've ever seen. If you compare them with similar incidents in the AFL, um, in '96, um, the the fans tore down the goalposts. They lit fires. Essendon or St Kilda didn't get fined five hundred and fifty thousand dollars. They weren't giving out twenty-year bans. There was another incident uh, a couple of years earlier where um, the the fans invaded the pitch for Ablett Senior's hundredth goal, and there was a scuffle between Dean Laidley and a fan. Again, no North Melbourne wasn't sanctioned or banned or any of that nonsense. To me. If the APL's goal is to scare off uh, investors who want to uh, invest in, in teams, this is a good way to do it. You'd have to be insane right now to uh, uh, own an A-League team. The, the fans aren't allowed to protest, and when they do, the, the clubs get fined. Who on, earth would, who on earth would even consider investing in an A-League licence? The, the fans absolutely are furious at the APL, and the APL's response is just to fine and ban people. Mm. Well, they did say it was on the back of a number of instances from yep. the Melbourne victory. It isn't just an isolated incident. It is continuing on. Mm. Uh, but there are ways, Aaron, would you agree, there's ways to protest and then there's ways not to do it, and this is maybe crossing the line? Well, I was at the match, and they were removing signs from people with uh, about the APL. There were people with signs about APL grief. Police and security were removing those signs. So, you know, you're not, you're not allowed to protest peacefully. And Melbourne victory matches. If you bring a sign, even if it's not offensive, even if it's a peaceful sign, they will remove the sign. So if you don't allow fans to protest peacefully, what do you think is going to happen? Mm. Yeah, it's it's a different – or it's the other side of the, uh, the the opinion, isn't it? Aaron, thanks for your call. We uh, appreciate it. Um, yeah, it's – what is clear – to me, as a as a again a casual football fan uh, and someone who watches the odd game, the the supporter base across the A League is not happy. And it, and it and it I don't know whether it was purely instigated by the decision to move the grand final, but it certainly hasn't helped. It is it has brought a lot of the anger to the surface, and and uh, so many of the fans and a lot of the league is 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 very much uh, separated at the moment. There are a lot of fractures on the back of that decision. Absolutely. Um, like a consultation. So there's some work to be done and the sanctions had to happen. Uh, you can't have those things happen because it was world news and it's not a good look on the league, on the country, on the city, all that. So it had to happen. Uh, it's happened. And now Melbourne Victory and its fans can uh, look to move forward. Uh, after the 4 o'clock news, Bryce, we're going to speak to Nathan Chapman about Pro Kick Australia, a man who's doing great things for young men over in the States. Uh, most certainly is Josh Jenkins and Bryce McGain. Four minutes past four on this uh, lovely Tuesday afternoon. No no, no BBL for you tonight, Bryce. I think when's your next... Uh... Hey, hang on. Hold the phone. BBL doesn't stop for anyone. No, I meant you're not calling a game Oh, tonight. not calling one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a game, though. I know the league doesn't stop. No. I most certainly know that. <laughs> Anytime you turn a tape, bang, there it is. Although yeah. last night, The Bachelor was on. I had to... Catch a little bit of our man Felix on The Bachelor. Was he uh, at his best? Well, his first aid involved uh, a body-to-body painting, but you weren't allowed to use your hands. <laughs> right. So um, I'm surprised it was uh, deemed fit for the 7.30 time shot. But... <laughs> Had the kids all gathered around? No, mine were in bed, thankfully. Or well, one was trying not to go to bed, but uh, mine were in bed. 
<laughs> um, so an interesting start to The Bachelor, that's for sure. We're here for Berwick BMW. Start your year in a new, a brand new sparkly BMW and Bluntstone. Rotoflex by Bluntstone. Stability meets the freedom to move. Uh, the man who runs Pro Kick Australia, an amazing program who puts young men into the college football programs and beyond in America. The man who runs the show is Nathan Chapman, former AFL star, and he's been good enough to join us on the line on the back of today's big national championship game. Chappie, good afternoon. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Good to be here. Uh, firstly, um, we've just seen the, the college football championship game wrapped up, and uh, it was not close. Georgia 65 TCU seven. <laughs> what did you make of the game? And uh, I didn't get to see all of the game. Did did uh, did Aussie uh, Brett Vorson even get to take the field? Did 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 Georgia have to even kick the ball away once? Yeah, yeah, they uh, they did. Uh, so Brett did get on the field and have his uh, kick. So not too bad. Uh, TCU have been pretty good at coming back all year, but they might have needed another twenty five quarters uh, to come back because it was. Um, yeah, just an outstanding game from Georgia. Tell us about um, Pro Kick Australia and the pro. You know, so many people are familiar with it now, and it's got a really big platform. And uh, all you know, hear it, see it, and, and read about it, recognised by the biggest American uh, collegiate coaches over there. But tell us about the program and where it started and, and where it is now. Oh yeah, look, it's uh, it's been going fifteen years now, so it's um, it's you know been a quite the journey from when we started but obviously we're uh, in the in the boutique industry of uh, teaching young Aussie lads how to kick an American football and then get them to um, you know to US colleges so they can get their degrees and I guess along the way uh, we've had uh, a number of pretty cool stories and you know uh, for which which is now our first time um, that it's happened we've had two guys playing off in the college championship game so you know we're Pretty humbled and, and thankful and proud of, of that journey. It was it was good to watch. Unfortunately, um, obviously the game was a a great spectacle, but there's always uh, oh, someone smiling and someone getting ready to get back to work uh, after every one of these games. But um, yeah, pretty cool journey so far. Hey Nathan, when you started this in 2007, had you anticipated to have the growth that it had, and you're providing education pathways for Australian go- Australian guys to go over and kick. It, was it initially just more of a clinic to learn how to kick the footy or had you always had this path in mind? Uh, well, the, the funny thing is when I've written out a business plan about what I thought it would look like, this is probably what it looked like. Um, Terrific. It just it just so happened, uh, you know, working alongside Johnny Smith for so many years, uh, I didn't realise it would take 15 years to get there. Uh, so... <laughs> It's yeah, totally flipped on its head from when it started. Um, but I, I sort of felt like, again, there's so much talent here in Australia that can kick a football. Um, so for any of the any young young fellas who have any interest, you know, there's, there's a really good, again, we've built this really great pathway for them to get educated. And, and although I guess uh, people might see the football side of it, I think one of the proudest things that we do is, is after you know, being at college for four years is when they ring up and say, hey, I just got my degree in marketing and business and agriculture and you name it, and, and they get really excited. So, uh, again, the I think we've saved, uh, you know, families or, uh, you know, young men 
in a total all over about $55, $60 million worth of academic fees. So it's it's really an academic program that, um, you know, we get what we need by uh, being able to kick a footy. So, yeah, if there's any interest, you might as well get in touch. Yeah, prokickaustralia.com is the website if you want to. If you're a, uh, if you're a, a, a young guy... You know, finishing or close to finishing high school, you play a bit of footy, you can kick the footy a long way, but pursuing um, AFL might not be up your alley, then Pro Kick Australia could be for you. You're just having a look on your website, around 200 full scholarships uh, awarded in, in throughout America. You've had six of the past seven, I believe, uh, Ray Guy Award winners, which is the best uh, punter in college football, have been through your program. You've got guys... In the in the NFL as well, and um, to, just a couple of guys in the NFL who are who are doing incredibly well. Michael Dixon's, you know, he's he's probably the the, the poster boy for Australian punters. He's among the best two or three uh, going around. Signed a big time contract. Jordan Berry spent plenty of time in the NFL. Cam Johnston. So uh, there's there's plenty of guys who not only get their get their college education and, and have a great time in school, but you've had guys go through and, and play in the big time as well. Yeah, and that's been a real fun journey to watch too. So when guys, you know, I guess it all starts from picking up the phone or sending an email and saying, can I come down for a kick? And to, you know, to think like Aaron Sipos, even though he's been injured um, the last few weeks, you know, the Eagles are going well. I would say uh, Mitch Wisniewski at the 49ers at the moment, um, you know, they're they're humming along nicely. So uh, let's hope we can, um, next option is to, uh, to get a Super Bowl win. So, uh, you know, that'll be the next, I guess, bucket list thing that we want to kick off. And, um, yeah, but uh, to have the guys just ring up, say, can I come down for a kick and then watch their journeys go into what it is now, it's, uh, you know, being tremendous. What, what do you, what, what's the process? What's the, you know, speed it up a bit for us, but what's the, what's the process when it comes to, you know, if I want to go down and we go and decide to meet in a park and what's your assessment? How do you decide you know, whether I may or may not be able to, to, to be good enough to kick and, and go to college and beyond. What does that look like from, from your point of view? Well, the college landscape has changed with the kicks that they do. And, and um, you know, now we're seeing so much more of the, I guess, the Aussie drop punt. So gone are the days where you needed to be the biggest kick on your football team to potentially go down and, and do this big torpedo. Uh, we've got guys going to college to do nothing but drop punt who... Uh, just skillful, yeah. You know, having the distance, um, being able to kick 45, 50 plus meters is on you know drop punt, um, puts you in a great position for us to work with you. But then we've got to work out what your strengths are. Is it is it a big long lever that um, kicks the spiral really high and really long, or is it a combination of both? Where um, you know you can grab the ball, you got uh, fast feet, and you can you can kick a 45 meter drop punt to the sideline out of bounds. Like, if you can do that, then there's potentially a really good option for you to come down. So uh, we just got to see what we see. Um, doesn't matter what it looks like, or uh, we've just got to assess whether we've got the tools or, the, or that platform to, to be able to work with you over 12 months to get you to that level, which um, a college coach would want to see. How many colleges are there? Is it a saturated market, or is there still plenty of opportunity? Plenty of opportunity. There's, I guess there's a couple of... Divisions. Uh, division one. There's um, 128, 130 colleges in Division one AA. There's 130, and Division two. There's 220 or something. So, um, just in terms of numbers wise, there's there's plenty of um, plenty of schools. But you know, obviously, there's 
there's also plenty of guys in America who want these same scholarships and opportunities. So, you know, our job is to, you know, perform. Um, you know, obviously we, we try and uh, select guys that want to work hard and, and get the best out of themselves, etc. And we've got to we've got to find the right coach that wants their skill set. So, um, yeah, again, it's not easy. We train them hard because at the end of the day, like you know, these young men, we send uh, Brett Thorson to Georgia, and his first games uh, in of the sport is in front of a hundred thousand people. Mm, so yeah. you can be sent in, into professional sport from day one. So we've got to we've got to get you prepared for that. Um, no matter what your background is, uh, tell, talk to us a little bit about the background of, of Geordie Sandy. They they did a really good feature on him and um, and what he's doing in his community over there at, at TCU. But uh, I, I can't find his age. But I believe he's about twenty nine or thirty years of age. Is is, is that correct? And if it is, uh, how how because you know I guess university for us, college for, for the Americans, typically you think you need to be about twenty twenty one twenty two. So. Talk to us about Geordie Sandy's um, pathway because he uh, he punted the ball five times in the in the championship game today for the Horn Frogs. Yeah, just a, a local lad, I think uh, Gippsland Way, um, actually came down to training with a, a work colleague of his, Tom Hutton, who who lo and behold was uh, until he just retired from college was the oldest uh, player in college football at, at sort of thirty. Um, uh, Geordie came to us about 25 years of age, uh, hadn't done any any university work and was just working at a paper mill with his mate, Tom Hutton. Um, they both decided to come down and lo and behold, they could both kick. So we uh, we sort of, you know, they got in the car and drove down to training, you know, spent a couple of hours in the car every two to three times a week. And um, and we decided to uh, have the, the talent, the level to be able to play at that sort of big 12 um Conference, which is you know it's amazing football. So uh, he's he's played. He's you know he came down, trained for 12, 14 months. Then we sent him off to college, and he's um, and I guess so his age is now sort of that twenty nine mark, twenty nine year old mark. But uh, certainly uh, for the experience that he's got, he look these guys sometimes just need they play footy, they grow up, and they get themselves into some work, and they go hey, you know what I've, I've grown up. I've, learn a few things. I, I now want to get myself educated or I want to change the, the direction my life is going and they get in touch. And if there's still some time clock or some eligibility left, um, like there was in his case, then, you know, um, then, you know, we can assess it. So, you know, not everyone's that old. It's a, it's a cool story for someone at that age to take on the challenge. Um, he's done it well. He's, mm. he's handled himself well. These guys are getting great marks at school and doing really well. And, um, you know, that's something that we really push hard for them because we, out of everyone we've sent over there, there's only been, I believe there's only been two to three guys who haven't actually got their degree because they had to leave early to go to the NFL and they're missing it by a semester or two. So we're really proud of that fact. They they stick it through and, and get their degree at the end of it. That is a real positive, Nathan. Uh, JJ here has really pricked his ears up just around the age factor. <laughs> and uh, I once saw a movie, you know, I think it was factual. I think it was based on a true story, Back to School. And Rodney Dangerfield, he would have had to have been 60 when he went back to college. <laughs> so is there an opportunity? What's the cutoff here? Uh, well, you've got to be a good bloke first. Right? So <laughs> make sure you're a good bloke before you come down. No, nah, be right. Look, the ages, we, we think. Um, uh, I, I was at um, Hawthorne late 90s and into just that early 2000 when I finished. And I played with a young man called uh, Hayden Bergiel, um at Hawthorne. And a few, only three or four years ago, we placed him across at uh, 
a college in the US. Um, he took his wife and three kids across there, and he was 38. So um, that's yeah, awesome. In the right circumstance, in the right circumstance, things can work, and you've got to have eligibility and all that. And just um, all of the boxes were ticked, and he was after a challenge and a journey. And I could be more proud of him and his family for doing it. That's awesome. Uh, just a quick one, Chappie, before we let you go, how's Big Benny Griffiths going? Uh, he's at was or is at USC, former Richmond Tiger. How's uh, how's Big Benny going? Going really well. I uh, spoke to him this morning. Um, I'll be heading across there to train um, train him and a couple of other players in, in February. Uh, going really well. Look, he just he had um, had to get uh, his green card and visa last year, so I put a bit of a his journey on hold for a few months. Uh, he's back into it, um, and I'd be pretty confident on on seeing his name pop up shortly uh, by getting some workouts and getting another opportunity at it. So. He's uh, he's looking good, Benny. Um, and he's just going to get into the next step. Who's the next? Uh, have you got a name for us? The next uh, Pro Kick Australia alumni to get into the NFL? Can you give us just one? Well, I guess from a from a profile point of view, there's two guys in particular. Uh, probably, and I mean this in the nicest way from a profile point of view. Two guys coming out of college: uh, Lou, Lou Headley from the University of Miami. Uh, had a great career. Again, older guy was uh, a, uh, was um, doing some uh, labour work in Perth. 25, uh, 25, 26 came across, uh, gave that up, head to toe full of tattoos. Great <laughs> bloke. Yep. Um, he's coming out of college, and uh, and actually we just had a young man, uh, Adam Corsack from Rutgers, who actually just won the Ray Guy Award this year. Um, his profile is pretty big coming out. So. Uh, you know, that'll all play out around May. Beautiful. Uh, Chappie, thanks for your time. Uh, any young guns who just had enough of footy, if you can kick a footy, you don't have to kick it a long way. If you can kick it well, kick it accurately, go to prokickaustralia.com and uh, get in touch with Chappie and the team. Go down, have a kick, and who knows where it might end up. You might end up being the next Michael Dixon or Aaron Sipos in the NFL. Chappie, thanks so much for your time. No, it's on. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. It's a, uh, it's a great... It's an amazing program, Bryce. I'm um, caught up with Chappie in America six or seven years ago, and he's got he's got kids that he's taught how to kick a ball. It's fantastic. They've obviously had the skill set, but taught them how to kick a football, and now they're all there in every part of America. I think there's um, been 185, and this was a while ago, 185 young guns go into the college football programs, and uh, we've got heaps who are starting to get NFL tryouts and, and, and playing in the NFL. And it won't be long until we've got a Super Bowl champion from that Pro Kick Australia program. So it's a great thing that he's that he's been able to build over a long time. It's outstanding. It and is. It's. I, I like the fact that it was his vision right from the very start was to college education, give these opportunities. It's grown from strength to strength. But, wow, you, you've got to apply yourself. 15 years, he's had to work pretty yeah, hard at yeah. it. But uh, it, it's all coming to fruition now. Indeed. Nathan Chapman uh, was our guest, the man behind Pro Kick Australia. Lines are open for King Island Tourism, play King Island's Pure Links golf courses. And also coming up, I'm going to put Bryce McGain to the test because we've got a handful of spinning options, but not sure which order to put them in. Bryce McGain is going to put them in that order, and he's going to be ruthless, too. He promises me he's not he's not going to hold back one little bit. So uh, we're going to get to that after this break. 
so far he's had a really good build in his, uh, his pre-season, which we know is really important to him because his first year he had a really strong pre-season, played well. Um, unfortunately, last year was well documented. He didn't get anything go his way, and uh, we, we certainly miss him. He's one of our one of our real shining lights in the preseason, and one that all the Port fans can look forward to seeing. Hopefully, out there early in the new year. It's a bit of a cliche, let it be like a new player, but yeah. does it almost feel feel that way if you get him back to football? Yeah, look, I have to agree with you. I think it is. It's like having a new player and a really talented player come to you, you know, a top-end player that comes to your list. You, you get all excited. I mean, we've been excited about Willie coming to the club and Jason coming to the club as well, but we've got a ratio also, you know, basically for us as coaches is, um, as you said, um, almost like another new player for 2023. Uh, there's plenty of those, Bryce. A new player for 2023. A new recruit been injured for a while and... Going to be the uh, saving grace. That was Ken Hinckley, Port Adelaide coach, under pressure Port Adelaide coach. The game season hasn't even started. Talking I don't about... think you want to be hanging your hat on Orazio no. to, to get you no. into and... finals this year as a new no. player. And that is not to disrespect not at Fantasia! Because that's him. the young man can play the game, but you can't rely on his body. And that's a shame for him and for Port Adelaide, but you can't rely... Uh, on his body, you just—he's well, yet to find the formula to that's get right. the best out of himself. That's so, right, and, and that's with the support of all the staff and the, the coaching staff. That I put all the coaching staff together, that he hasn't quite got the formula. So, yeah, I wouldn't be hanging my hat on that. It is at this time of year where clubs are still trying to find uh, a recruit for the upcoming season. So, you know, we've had all the drafts and, and those types of things, but clubs have still left spots on their list vacant. So there's a, a handful of uh, well-known um, train-on players training at different clubs. So basically looking to become the next Paddy McCartan. So Paddy McCartan got the opportunity to train at the Swans, played in the VFL, and and then was able to burst yes. back onto the scene this year as a key defender. So that was Colin, awesome. It was, wasn't it? It was incredible to That's see. That's one him. of the best stories of the year Very, for me. In, indeed. I love that. Indeed. It was a, a, a fantastic story. Paddy McCartan's emergence as a key defender alongside his brother, which added to the story. So Collingwood's trialling a couple of uh, ruckmen. Of course, Brody Grundy leaves. So they feel they're a little thin in the ruck department. Oscar Steen's a 204-centimetre ruckman from West Adelaide. They're also trialling, now apologies if I mispronounce, Max Gura, who's a 26-year-old former volleyball player. So he'll be a bit of a project player if he gets a spot. Got some jumps. Former Hawk and... Uh, Magpie Tom Phillips is training with the Bombers. So Brad Scott and the coaching staff are having a look at at, at Tom Phillips, who uh, finished fifth or sixth in a BNF, I think, the year that Collingwood made the grand final. So he's played some quality AFL footy. Uh, Fremantle are giving the third Sarong, Liam Sarong, an opportunity to try out and play with his star brother, Caleb Sarong. And Caleb's a very fine player. So Liam Sarong's uh, playing or trying. Uh, attempting to get a spot with Frio. Trent Burgoyne, the son of Peter Burgoyne, who was a very fine player, Bryce, yeah. for the uh, Port Adelaide Power. So Trent Burgoyne's training with the Ds. Uh, Quentin Arkle, who was down at the Cats, and he's played, I'm going to say, 30 or 40 games in the AFL for Geelong. He's training at Richmond, trying to get an opportunity down there. He's very good friends with Shea Bolton, uh, who might be able to have a whisper to Dimmer and the and the coaching staff and the recruiters. I reckon and that's a good person. He would have the year of the coach. I think if you're going to listen to a player, it might be uh, Shea Bolton. Uh, Liam Stocker is an interesting one as well. So yeah. he's the player that Carlton traded into the first round to secure. Uh, sorry, traded a first rounder to secure. He's uh, training with St Kilda. 
under Ross Lyon, of course. And we, uh, Andy Marr and I interviewed Liam Stocker before Christmas and uh, he was confident in getting an opportunity. He was very confident in himself and spoke about all the things he could bring to the table. So he's training at uh, the Saints, the former uh, Carlton player. So we find players trying to that last little opportunity to get on a list and give themselves an opportunity to play some AFL footy this year. Yeah, we'd love to see the second chance. I, I actually really enjoy those stories mm-hmm. the, because there's a lot of learning to be done. We see in cricket, you, you make the Australian team, then you miss out for a while and then you come back come and you're back. better than ever. Mm-hmm. And you've learnt so much about yourself and you know what the standards required. You know everything around being the best you can possibly be. I, I think this is terrific for a lot of these guys and we wish them all the best. So good luck to those guys. Uh, there's plenty more as well, but those were the notable ones. Uh, training with AFL clubs, hoping to get an opportunity. Uh, let's go to the news. And then on the other side, some take it or leave it for Bryce McGain. He's going to sort out who's who in the zoo when it comes to the Australian spinning stocks. I got this. Uh, the Strikers uh, live tonight. Who are they playing? I was kind of listening. They're Renegade. Someone. Strikers and Renegades. Yep. Stars Renegades are warming Stars up. Stars got beaten again last night. They did, unfortunately. Jeepers, creepers. Yep. Well, how are they going? Um, time Stone for some take it or leave it for Charlie Battisti and Co. Melbourne's most trusted repairer of prestige German vehicles. All right, Bryce McGain, Australia's spin stocks. I'm going to give you a name. Yep. will be a bit of audio as well mixed in here. And then you are going to tell me... Uh, where they sit in the pecking order. Of course, Nathan Lyon is still doing his thing at a high level, so uh, he's a given. He is a given, but... We're taking him. We're taking him. It's safe to say, Nathan, find your passport, you'll be going to India. Uh, First one is Ashton Agar, uh, the left armour, but he struggled in Sydney versus South Africa. This is Pat Cummins after the Sydney test speaking on Fox Sports. You know, Ash will be over there for sure. Um, I think each wicket over there could be a little bit different, so we'll get over there and assess, but, yeah, Ash will be over there in India. Um, there'll be plenty of options for us, and, yeah, it's always nice having plenty of spinners that do slightly different things. And Pat Cummins just had a uh, little disco there, <laughs> so that was nice of him. So, uh, Bryce McGowan, the floor is yours. Ashton Agar, take him or leave him? I'll go with Pat here. We're taking him. <laughs> that was easy. Now, you but, can't take them all. No, no, you can't. You can't take... Well, you could and just put them up in a, <laughs> in a B&B. Just bring somewhere. them along to be Just bring them along. Yeah, no, look. And net bowlers. Um, now, Ashton Agar, th- th- they want that style of bowling. They mm-hmm. want a left-arm orthodox. So if you're a left-arm orthodox, you're a chance. You're a chance. Right. That's why they've had a look at him in Sydney. It didn't go quite as they would have expected. It's a little underwhelming. Yep. But the fact is he hasn't played a lot of Sheffield Shield cricket. Now, I'll, I'll, we'll go to a few others, mm-hmm. but that's not always the best answer. Okay. You've got to go what actually works in India. Okay. Uh, Mitchell Schwepson, the 29-year-old, four tests, 10 wickets at 45. He's played in Pakistan and Sri Lanka. Take him or leave him? We're taking him. We're oh, taking. He's, he's taking all of them. Yeah. Well, I can see this potentially. Uh, Swepson, <laughs> you've got to take. He he has gone over there. He was he, he was a learning experience. He's played four tests. He's come back. I, I don't know why he chooses to play in Queensland. <laughs> they hardly have a bowl spin. Mm. It's on a hide into nothing. It's a great place to live for lifestyle. Yes, tick in the winter. Yes, lovely. But it's not helping him with his career. He needs to go somewhere where the wicket's going to turn and, and uh, he's going to bowl tons of overs in Sheffield Shield cricket. Unfortunately, last year, he just followed the Australian team around. He was part of the World Cup, 
he just sat on the sideline, net bowled. He did that with the, with the tour last year, the, the test tour. He just followed them around. Second spinner, he's just hovering around. Unfortunately, that's flattened out his performance at the moment. He's not as good as he has been, but I reckon you've got to take him. He's up there as our best red ball leggy. All right. Agar and uh, Shrepson, you're both coming. Uh, 22-year-old Victorian who's played six first-class matches, 26 wickets at 25. Um, Todd Murphy. Take him or leave him? Leave him on standby. We will leave him in, on standby and uh, keep him going uh, through that period. He'll be playing shield cricket, so we'll get a good picture of how he's tracking. He is behind Nathan Lyon, the best form spinner at the moment. Mm. He's also an off spinner. But with the balance of your team, with Nathan Lyon, you're not going to play two off spinners. And there's a pretty useful part-timer who's... Uh, batting like a genius at the moment in the Australian team, and that's Travis Head. So I think Todd Murphy on the balance of the squad, he's a leave it. Leave it for Todd Murphy. He's taken uh, 14 wickets at 17.7. He's been uh, terrific. This season. Uh, Adam Zampa, he's our best white ball spinner, but uh, only one first-class match in the past three years. Take him or leave him. He played one Shield game. I did watch this one against Victoria at the Junction Over. He took three for 57. That's a positive. That's his first game in three years because of the scheduling. He plays white ball for Australia, and that just goes over the top of all Shield cricket. So he just doesn't get a chance. He is, unfortunately... Being left behind. Being left behind. Uh, Matt Kuhneman, a Queenslander who's played 12 first-class matches for 32 wickets at 34. Now, he... Here's our form left arm. Took four for 78 against the South Africans in a warm-up game at Alamore Field. did indeed. You want left arm orthodox? This is neck and neck. Him and Agar, this guy mm. has won games. Now, the thing is we're, we're judging them on their performance in Australia, and it's completely different. The, the surfaces, all of those things. We'll, we'll come across tests that will look like the moon. It'll be that rough and dry and horrendous, and we'll just go, what is going on here with this wicket? Matt Kuhneman, he he must be closer than we expect. Paddy's put his vote in for Mm -hmm. Ashton Agar, and that's where they've sort of gone to. But this guy, Matt Kuhneman, could be... He could be really dangerous over there. He is a lever, unfortunately, because of what Pat said, but... He, he wouldn't surprise me. If he went in and they're looking at form, 25 wickets last year at 31, which is pretty good in Australian conditions, he would be absolutely perfect in India. Uh, now, I've got one more for you, a smoky. Have a listen to uh, the audio. This is from Mark War, the great Mark War on Fox Sports, speaking about our roughy, Paddy Dooley. Well, at the moment, I reckon he's about about 80 to 1, but I think he's really? firm. I, just yeah, for something different. Just I think there's a bit of mystery about him. He's got some tricks, um, which I think you're going to need against um, the Indian batsman. And he, he bowls quite accurate, so he bowls at the stumps, and he just does enough either way. So I know it's a really left-field suggestion, like it. but it's something that selectors may well think about. So there's Junior. There's Mark War speaking about uh, on, Paddy, du- Paddy Ke- Dooley. Yeah, come on, Jay. He's 800 to 1. There is no <laughs> chance. He hasn't bowled with a red ball in, other than club cricket. He, he hasn't played a first-class game. No, he will not be going. I love what he does, and I love his energy. I love what he brings, but uh, he's got to break into first-class cricket before he even considers being picked on a test tour to all right. India. All right. So, uh, Agar and Schwepson. 
Agar, Swepson, Murphy on standby. Tournament? Uh, You're pretty complimentary of tournament. Yeah. Uh, this is one. You're taking three and you got one on standby. No, but this Plus is line. this is where Ashton Agar, if they just think, oh, gee, it wasn't what we expected in Sydney, maybe there's a few of the selection committee that go, well, hang on, I've watched Matt Kuhneman. Let's have a look. Let's back up the numbers and see where we're at. Matt Kuhneman beats him on performance. Mm. So that's where they are. Pat's put his... He's put uh, his little um, cart on the back of uh, Ashton Agar. I think Kuhneman needs a second look. There's a few others. Tanvir Sanger might be a name that others remember. He's a he's a spinner for New South Wales in 2021-22. He had 17 wickets at 32. He's a young guy at 19. He went to Sri Lanka on a tour in a trial game, took four for 56. He has a lower back stress injury. He oh. would be in the picture as a young spinner, but unfortunately he hasn't played this year at all. He is in that sort of mark. Now, there's a player, a leg spinner, that is getting around in the big bash who would be good because he bowls similar to what is successful in India. His name is Peter Hatsoglu. Now, he bowls fast leg spin into right. the pitch. Now, he is tall, 193 centimetres probably a, a standard midfielder in the AFL nowadays, but he's <laughs> tall, he releases high, and he would be similar to Anil Kumble in the bowling into the wicket style. Now, Kumble was highly effective as a leg spinner. We think about Shane Warne, that's how you bowl leg spin. Kumble was highly effective, 500 test wickets effective, mm. um, by bowling into the wicket from a tall height and hitting the knee roll. So he has the skill to do it. Unfortunately, he hasn't played a first-class game. Backups, John Holland, maybe just passed it. Victoria. Dutchie. Dutchie. I'd, I'd love him to be up and going. I did see him bowling at Marvel on Saturday. Uh, I think there's a few sides sniffing around or running out oh. of international spinners in the Big Bash. He may find a game somewhere. Look out for that. Steve O'Keefe and some cheeky side said on the text that he wouldn't be able to run past me. None of these spinners would be able to run past me on 20 metres. I've got them all covered. Um, Steve Smith will do some part-time bowling and Marnus Labashain and Travis Head, they'll be over there spinning a web as well. They'll be able to pick up one or two wickets, I'm sure, each inning. So they will mix and match it. Glenn Maxwell, horrible time to break your leg. Horrible time. Mm. This is this is a series. Batting-wise, he's made 100 in India before. This is six years ago, but his off-spin is right up there. You would take him in that squad, extended squad. The, it's a very, Does that it's cover a very, it? There's very, lots of it. It's a very extended squad at the moment, but you heard it first from our man Bryce McGain. That's the uh, latest on the spinning stocks in Australia, and that was for... Charlie Patisti and Co. Melbourne's finest facility for the repair of prestige German vehicles. Get your repair process started. We're off to our last break and we're going to wrap this baby up. I mean, for me, I, I love starting my year here. Um, I think there's nothing better than, than the Aussie summer. You know, it's nice and hot. Uh, us Aussies, at least, we, we thrive in the heat. I did read that. I thought it was absolutely ridiculous. Um, it was a bizarre claim. Um, I think you talk to every player. This is the season. It starts. Uh, it starts in January. Um, it starts here in Australia. That was uh, the demon, Alex Diminor and Craig Tiley uh, speaking about a suggested move of the Australian Open to go uh, to uh, October, which I don't know sounds strange to me, Bryce. But hmm. things are just they're just. They're just on where they're on when they're on, and the Australian Open's just on in January. It's just the way the way it's always been, and seems to be perfect timing to me. Like everyone it can, be, can go, it can be hot, but internationally visitors, 
the, the, the city needs that around that time. I Kicks think it's off a the sporting push. calendar for us, doesn't it? I think so. I, I, I really like the timing of it. But maybe it has to do with the heat and some players who are catching up. There's not enough of a break in the, se- in yeah, the well, season and all that. A, but a, you're back on. I think the, the, the fact is, you know, again, not completely up to date with the tennis calendar, but it's one of the four majors. So if there's not enough time to to uh, rest and recover, maybe start your break a little bit earlier. What's the latest? What's the last Grand Slam of the year? How late in the year is it? Well, we need to get BP to help us yeah. out with that. We don't get BP. He jumps on earlier than us. He just leaves us high and dry. But there's no Australian Open. It's not going anywhere. I'm planning on going for the first. I've never been. It's wonderful. I'm going to go and probably just get a ground pass and just cruise around and have a look at a bit of no, you'll love it. Bit of tennis action. You'll absolutely love it. It's excellent. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's a really worthwhile day. It's not all about centre court and the games that just file through there throughout the day. Um, it, it is about those outside courts and have a good look around. It's um, really worthwhile. And uh, it won't be long until someone tries to steal Sydney or try and steal our Australian Open, like they've tried to do with the F1s, but we've, we've got them it. locked and loaded. And I, I reckon five years ago when the Formula One uh, popularity was really waning, maybe the Melbourne maybe Melbourne thought about handing it off because it was costing a lot of money. But now that the, the, the growth of the sport has just been out of control, there's no way that baby's staying here until 2037. But Sydney are always trying to pinch a few things from us. Yeah, they're trying to just get something up on us. But yeah. uh, no, we, we're the well, sporting capital been... of the world we, and we need to keep holding on to these big events. And if we give away the Australian Open, that, that's a big dent in our claims to be the uh, sporting capital of the world. Yeah, we've got Australia covered, so... It's the world. Mm, has to be. Has to be. I like it. Um, we're here for Berwick BMW. Start your year in a new BMW. And Blundstone, Rotoflex by Blundstone. Stability meets the freedom to move. One last break, and then we're back for a couple of minutes before we wrap it up. Almost 5 o'clock. I can't believe how fast the day's gone, to quote the great Andy Marr. Uh, quick text. break, and we are back. Uh, we've almost run home, too, almost 5 o'clock, which is uh, the cue for us to get out of here. But before we do, and we are here for Berwick BMW, start your year in a new BMW and Blundstone, Rotoflex by Blundstone. Stability meets the freedom to move. Uh, some... Uh, something's caught your attention, Bryce, off the 40 Winks temper text. Yeah, Adrian's on the money here. Yeah, great, Sydney. What can they wash out next? So the drivers would have to drive with snorkels, I think, if they took the Formula One. Well, it I is wet up there. Six. So I wrote this down. It was in the uh, Herald Sun. <laughs> six. Uh, so it's true. Six draws uh, at the SCG since 95, I think it was. Yeah, not good. Uh, the next most is only two. Yeah. And there's a lot of places who haven't had any. So um, no, it is by far the world's cricket, the wettest place going around. Uh, Lloyd Pope, yeah, just had plenty of opportunity as a young leg spinner, and uh, good at the under nineteen level, of course, for Australia. Brett, yeah, unfortunately, he is just learning his craft. Mm. It takes a while. Uh, Moza tells us off the forty wings temper text that the Paris Masters are in October. Well. It's not a it's not a grand slam, so don't um don't play in the Paris Masters if you need to. Doesn't give you enough time to prepare for the Australian Open. Yeah, in US US is in September, so there's still. Well, that's that's the end of your season if you need longer. Yeah, that's the way it goes. Prioritize the it. Australian Open. Don't play in the Paris Masters. Sorry, Paris, but we're not playing. We're going to get ourselves ready for uh for the Australian Open. It is last time I checked, still one of the four grand slams, right? 
Absolutely. Or I something? No, no, no. <laughs> You're on, JJ. You You're like, on. You looked at me like they changed it 10 years ago. No, no, no. no, no. June's the French Open. July is Wimbledon. September is the US. And January, the best time of the year in Melbourne, is when the Aussie Open's on. Which is right now. Already, It's already the 10th of January, which is uh, quite incredible. So hey, the- how late can you leave your Christmas tree up? When does that need to come down? Is that February or what? I mean, to be honest, I think you can is leave, yours up. You can leave. I, I think so. I, you, you haven't been in your lounge room for a while. <laughs> I, I think you can leave it up all year round, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> what Christmas need, lights do that. Do what like you people need to do. Risk their life hanging them off the gutter, and then they go, "I'm not going back up there to take them down." They'll do be what, ready for next year. You do you. Everyone do themselves. If you want to leave your Christmas tree up all year, then that's completely fine by me. That's all right, isn't it? We don't have to have hard and fast rules on Christmas trees. No, we don't. I was just getting some guidance after some guidance. I got some from uh, – who gave me some guidance? Uh, Bob from Nerry. He said, thank God Bryce isn't a selector. So that's some guidance I'm looking for. And looking, now I need it about Christmas trees. If you're looking for your guidance on the uh, temper text, then uh, you'll be misguided. Uh, that's all from us today. Uh, you have a great and, week. Yes, that's it for us. None for 40. Yeah, we'll take that. Uh, the Adam, red ink for both of us. Adam Cooney, the 2000 and something Brownlow medalist, joins me tomorrow. Bye for now. Yeah.